Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle podcast where we know and believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. Is team ball back? Is team ball? You may be thinking, what does that mean? You know, over the last couple of years in the NBA specifically, it has been such a star-driven league. The teams with the super teams and the superstars were making the finals year after year. You needed a LeBron James or you needed a Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. You needed this huge name to get anywhere. And in fact, over the last five, 10 years, there's been this overwhelming obsession with getting that superstar player and that being the only way to truly succeed. We're noticing something in the NBA bubble that that is not necessarily the case with the rise of the Miami Heat who have a superstar, but not at the superstar status of many others in Jimmy Butler, or maybe the Denver Nuggets where, yes, they have stars, but maybe not this high-profile superstars as others. When you look at a Jamal Murray or a Jokic, you're seeing team ball. These teams come together and outperforming and knocking out more superstar-led teams, i.e. the L.A. Clippers of most recent. Does that mean that there's a shift happening in basketball? That there's going to be a new trend and that we can take from this, this new focus on getting back to team basketball? TJ and I discussed this trend, if it's something that is actually going to continue. And just our general thoughts on what we have seen regarding the team basketball and some Hopes for optimism for coaches that want to get back to playing more of a team-style basketball. We discuss all that and more in today's episode. So without further ado, let's jump in to today's episode. TJ, the NBA bubble's in full swing. We're approaching and getting closer and closer to the NBA finals at the time of this recording. And there's some revelations that are coming about this particular postseason that I want to bring up because I think there's a possibility that there could be a shift in what's happening in the basketball landscape. And, and maybe you, you'll say, Adam, I don't really think it's a shift. I think it's always been this way. And, and maybe the perception of it has been off a little bit, but it is showing itself that team ball is outperforming talent ball on the court. And I say that because at the time of this recording, uh, the MVP in the Milwaukee Bucks were recently eliminated in pretty dominating fashion by the Miami Heat basketball team. Uh, and then recently, the dominant, highly touted, highly talented, high-profile, superstar-filled LA Clippers were also bounced by the less-than-sexy Denver Nuggets. It begins to lead to this thought that is team ball outperforming talent ball? And in these teams, because the one thing that we are seeing with some of these teams that are having success right now, let's talk Miami Heat, for example. It's been joked about that they're a, they're a bunch of just kind of, they're a collection of players. There's no superstars. Jimmy Butler is probably their biggest, but even he's probably in the the second tier, third tier potentially of superstars when you talk about them across the league, but they're playing this team ball where everybody knows their role. They're sharing, they're doing it defensively. Their bench is energetic and they go and they take down the 
quote unquote team with the more talented player, the more superstar esque player. And then you look at the Denver Nuggets. I think Jokic and Murray are superstars in their own right, but they are lower tiered superstars. They're playing this more team ball and, and they're not just relying on certain individuals. Everybody's contributing. It has a different feel, both the heat, both the nuggets. If you just lay it out there, you're going to communicate them as more of a team approach versus the big superstar approach that was found on the Bucks and, and the Clippers. But I think it's, it's a shift, TJ, because for the longest time it's been, I feel like for the last five or so years, if you don't have that complete dominant max player, those small collection of players, if you don't have them on your team, you're done. You're, you're just not moving forward. And, and it was all about that max player finding that one guy and that like that pursuit of the superstar. Are we moving back to a place where there's so much talent in the league that team ball is becoming the more dominant approach? You know, I see what you're saying and, and it lends towards this big shift, but I also would say this. I, I think it's, I think it's not a shift. I think what's once was true has always been true. And I don't know a great way to paint this analogy, but I'm going to try. Um, you know, a talent and a good team is your best scenario. The next one would be a really good team. And the third one would be just talent. Right. And so, All right, so uh, hold on, let me get this straight. Talent and a good team is your number one. Yeah. Right. A good team is your number two. Yeah. A, and then talent is your number three. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so when I think you put those, all of those things together, I mean, I think about when you watch the Raptors win it, um, you know, you could even see them this year. They were knocking on the door again, even without Kawhi, right? And I think because one thing didn't leave them, they were still a great team. They just lost a little bit of talent. They still had a chance. And I, I think that uh, even when you look at the, the Golden State Warriors, um, you know, I don't know how – I don't know the quality of teammate of, of KD or, or, or whatever, but I do think Clay is a really easy guy to play with, and I do think Steph's a really easy guy to play with. And I think they're about the team. So they were a talent and a team, you know. And um, when I look back at the struggles of a Kobe and MJ, a LeBron, I think then that those teams were very uh, talent-centric you know, trying to carry the team, trying to whatever. I think as all of those players kind of digressed and gave up, they were still the best player in the world. They were still whatever, but they digressed and gave a little bit more uh, to the rest of the team, whether that was facilitating a little bit more or whatever, they became a better team. Then they started winning some more championships. And so I think it's this good, even flow of, you know, Lakers are really, really talented but I think that uh, they can occasionally get carried up in some ISO ball. But I also think, you know, AD will play his role and LeBron will play his role, you know. So I think they're a talent and a team. I don't think they're to the same level as a team as the Miami Heat is. And so if they were equal in talent, I would take the Heat every day of the week. But there is a little bit of talent on the Lakers side. So, you know, I don't think you could, it's hard. It's hard to win a championship. It was hard for even the greatest players in the world to win a championship when they weren't a good, solid team. But, you know, Miami has got the recipe for overachieving, I think, just like, just like the, heat, uh, the Heat does, I'm sorry. And so did uh, the, the Raptors when they went through it. And those teams, they were just good teams. I think the Spurs is another good one. They have plenty of good players on there. But what really made them special was they were also a team. So they had that talent and team. 
um, where you see people underachieve, like I think of just talent, I kind of look at the 76ers, you know, like that's the tearing up bit. Like they got the pieces, I think, you know, to get to that place. They're just not completely a team, right? Whether that's individual pieces to it, they're making it that way or whatever it is, they haven't got the place. And that's why I never bet on a team like that. Mm. I don't see it in them. That's why I look at the Rockets and I don't bet on them. I think there's plenty of talent over there, but I don't see a team. I don't see sacrifice. I don't see, you know, those things that make you special. And I think that is probably true when you look at like the Clippers, a lot of talent. I never got this feeling that they were this close knit, this team, that team that you just alluded to. I, I never got that impression. But when I look at the Nuggets, yeah, there's value there or there's talent there, but you also get this impression that really, man, they, they're a close team. I saw this quote the other day. I thought it was really good. Um, Kyle Emmendorf from the Lead'em Up team shared it. Team chemistry, culture, and leadership is the new home court advantage in the bubble. Yeah. Right? It, it's the new home court advantage. You could argue maybe it's always been the advantage, but it's demonstrating itself now more than ever where you take out some of those other factors like home court and stuff where people would maybe excuse and, and justify performance based on, oh, their home court, oh, it's tough to play on the road. Right, you've kind of eliminated some of that stuff, which is an interesting dynamic, TJ, because you've just put it as it's basketball and it's talent and team, the two major things, right? It's like, how are you going to play as a basketball? How are y'all going to love each other as a team? And I would even argue that the team dynamic is actually being amplified in this setting because of the challenges. Like, you know, uh, I think I heard one of the teams, I think it was the Heat, you know, talk about we need to create our own energy, right? Like we need to create it. The team does. And if we can't do it ourselves, then we're done, right? Where maybe in a normal setting with crowds and such, you could come rely on other factors to help override deficiencies within your team. That doesn't happen now. So for me, I, just, I find this just really interesting because I, I hope and, and believe that this could maybe prompt a slight shift a little bit where we're not so thirsty for that single superstar. Because I do feel like there was a period of time that, yeah, we wanted to get the, the, the mega teams and, you know, the, the superpower teams, super teams, I forgot the phrase, super teams. But that if we can get the right pieces that can build the right team, and as long as we still have the playmakers, right, you still need a playmaker. Don't get me wrong. Right? You still need that person but there isn't as much focus on that, that you can build something really, really special. Team chemistry, culture, and leadership, new home court advantage. Is it new or is it old or has it always been there? Yeah. You know, well, the bubbles definitely change things, right? I mean, you almost feel like from, as a fan, I know I hate on the NBA sometimes, but I just feel like this is more pure. I just feel like, I think even referees get carried away in seven game series when they go to LA and LA is supposed to win and the crowd. I just feel like it's human emotion that gets in the way of really who's the better basketball team and you know, who can create their own energy it is, I think is a big time factor. Like you see the Miami heat playing with great energy, great passion, and uh, they don't need a crowd to do it. I remember my dad telling me as a kid, you know, if it's 9 a.m. at the park and you can play at that same passion energy you play on Friday night at 7, you're a player, you know. And, and I think that's what uh, they've got is a bunch of players. And they show up that same way no matter if it's in the bubble or if it's in the arena or wherever. And that is what is making them uh, really special. But the other thing I would add to, to all of that is that, when you can get, you have to have enough talent. Like I would take a, 
uh, a star and a, and a second fiddle and a bunch of role players over uh, three superstars. You know, like, and I, and I think some of that, you've seen that play out. Like, I think the Raptors had that, that, that ace and then the backup and then a bunch of great players around. I think even somebody like the Spurs, you know, like you could, I don't think they had three mega stars. I think Duncan was legit, right? And I think Parker was really good and Ginobili was really good. But it was just like, it was a good balance to them. And over years, they just filled in with the right players. And, um, you know, when you get to somebody like Golden State, who's won championships, uh, you know, you could argue that they did have, uh, you know, the, a triple-headed monster and they did that. But they had guys that were special teammates, too, and they had a really special environment. And so they were able to do that with three superstars, where we've seen three superstars fall on their face before and not play good basketball. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap for today's halftime communication tip. Coaches, this week I want to share a communication tip that comes right from my house. In fact, my wife and I, we use a phrase quite often one another. It's called save your voice. Save your voice. And we will say this in regards to our parenting of our two little ones, our two girls, where if we find the other person is maybe over-parenting or over-analyzing or over-coaching a situation, we may just say, hey, save your voice. Because we found, as many parents have found, that when you begin to try to address too many things and speak out on too many things and you're constantly trying to critique and correct, that your voice ends up becoming drowned out. If you've ever had those moments where you're like, does anyone listen to me here? Well, maybe it's gotten to the point where your voice is so frequently heard that people have started tuning out. So we'll say that joke to one another. Hey, just save your voice. Essentially meaning it's not worth it. Save it for something more important. Just let them be on this. Address things that need to be addressed in greater importance. And if you can save your voice now, when you go to speak later, it'll actually be amplified. And I think that applies to coaching as well. I think there's moments as coaches you know, where we want to coach everything, we want to critique or comment on everything, where the best thing we could do in that moment is save our voice. Save your voice in that moment. And then when you do speak later about something of more value, of more importance, your voice will be heard even louder than it ever was before. So coaches, think about this as you go through your week with your teams. Find moments where, you know what, you're better off just saving your voice and using it for the future. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe. TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. Now, before we jump back in, let's capture, catch up with our friends over at ShootAway for today's shooting statistic. We're obviously talking team ball here. Here's an interesting one. The Miami Heat's key number is six. They currently have six players in double figures all throughout the bubble. You compare that to the LA Lakers who only have three. Now, granted, they have more contributors further down that are averaging less than 10 points, but only three players that are averaging double figures. You compare that to Miami Heat six, it alludes to and adds to the conversation we're having today about this more superstar focus versus this team dynamic. Just an interesting kind of add-on for us to watch as these two teams face off in the NBA Finals. Which one is going to prevail? Will it be the team that spreads the ball around more so and gets more people involved? 
or will it be the team that is stronger at the top with the superstars carrying the weight? Regardless of where you are, though, you can't be a double-digit scorer unless you can put the ball in the basket. And often consider the greatest tool to help you do that, utilize shootaways the gun. By utilizing the gun, getting it into your gym, and getting your shots up will allow you to be a better scorer than you've ever been before. Make sure you check out Shootaways the Gun and learn more about how you can get one in your gym so your players can start getting better today. Now, let's jump back into today's episode. You know, it was presented recently. I don't know if you're a fan of Colin Coward. Some people are. You either kind of love him or you hate him. Um, Regardless of where you are with him, he had an interesting angle that he talked about. He used this reference of winning talent versus basketball talent. And I thought it was an interesting dynamic. And he began to reference that you're looking at some teams like the Heat and, and like the Nuggets, and they're filled maybe not with the most high-profile basketball talent, but they're filled with incredible winning talent. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic there. And he used a, like a connection, and, and there was a combination between Kyrie and a, like a Jamal Murray, all right? And, and that for all intents and purposes, Kyrie is the greater basketball talent. Right? He's the greater basketball talent. He's probably more talented all the way. He probably could probably do more things. But that he isn't as talented from a winning talent perspective. That you'd look at a guy like maybe a Jamal Murray or like a Damian Lillard, that they've got a winning talent in them. Maybe their basketball talent isn't quite as high. Not actually argue Damian's is, so let's not use him. But let's take a Jamal Murray, right? That it's that his winning talent is so high and that the people around them, that these GMs are starting to look at it and say, I need to make sure when I talk about talent, I'm talking about winning talent. Not, not just basketball talent, but winning talent. And I love that phrase, right? And he actually kind of positioned that basketball talents are agitators within the growth of a team where winning talents are lubricators creating the team. That it just creates this little the agitator, there's a little resistance, there's a lot of friction, just not crazy, right, but a little, whereas the lubricator just kind of gets it smooth, right? And all of a sudden, we're now smoothing things up and things begin to operate. And it makes me think about Danny Ainge, you know, after last year in Boston, he essentially said it without saying these exact words that we had too much basketball talent. And he didn't think they had enough winning talent. And I think when he went into this offseason, he began to look and say, you know, yes, we need talent, but we need winning talent. And it all kind of connects back to this thought of more of a team aspect versus like who, who's the most high-profile athlete I can get in here? Who's the most high-profile, highly-touted basketball talent I can get in here? Who is that person? I need to get them. Nah, but he, he said, you know, I need to collect the right group of winning talent. And now, and now look, um, you know, who would think a team losing Al Horford, losing Kyrie Irving, right, a ton of talent, essentially losing Gordon Hayward, would then step in and make runs in the playoffs the way they have, right? But it's a collection of winning talent, not always just basketball talent, which then leads into the team aspect that I think we're seeing and that's coming to, to surface right now. Yeah, you know, 
I say this all the time when I speak that, you know, my greatest fear as a coach is underachievement, you know, and you underachieve with really talented players that aren't team guys. That, that's what you underachieve. You know, they don't believe in the culture. They don't believe you know, they don't. It's where one and one makes two. And I think I can give you a hundred examples, you know, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James in their first year together in Bosch, one and one equal two, one plus one plus one equal three. They weren't making each other better. Spolster did a great job of figuring it out, how to make them play better together and how to, how to do things that they weren't, weren't able to do um, that first year. But you've got to be willing and you've got to be able to figure that out. And I think like, even when you look at the heat, I think, I think Wade did a good job. I think LeBron even did a good job of, of giving into that. Like, okay, we'll do it this kind of uh, this team way. But if you don't have players willing to do that, it's really tough. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I hate calling out players, but my, my jury is still out on KD, you know, like I, I still don't, there's, I'd have like a no touch list. And we talked about this one time before, but like guys, I don't think can do it, but in the right scenario, like I, I wonder sometimes if they won in spite of KD or, you know, like they kind of got KD to that level because he had the right guys around him. I'm very cautious and I could eat crow on this one. Right. But him and Kyrie and what's going on there, I am not a huge believer that that's going to lead to a championship or a great run. I've just, this is where I'm at now. If, if they do and he finds a way, then that's awesome. And, and uh, I'll eat crow on it. But I, I'm not believing that yet. I, I was not a believer in the 76ers. I wasn't a believer in the Rockets. Like I think there's some no touch guys on all those teams. And I think those are the guys that maybe in the right scenario, example, KD with, with those really good teammates that are, uh, you know, had a thriving culture before he got there. And so if he never wins one again, and, you know, I think he still goes down as one of the greatest talents ever, but I don't know if he would have ever won one if he didn't get into the right teammates and the right culture. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair perspective. And I think it just goes back to this thought of the basketball talent versus winning talent. So coaches, you know, in light of kind of what's been happening in the basketball landscape, I think there's some examples that we can reference when we are speaking to our team about the power of the team, the power of buying into something greater that, you know, the Miami Heat, a collection of individuals, Jimmy Butler being the lead, which he's a second tier superstar and goes and completely destroys the MVP led team, right? Just completely crushes in that the highly touted Clippers when coming across a team that just truly loves one another and plays for one another. And there's, doesn't seem like there's any ego in the room, right? It's selflessness all the way through just has that feeling that you see what they can do in that setting. I think that those can be reminders as we're trying to get our players to buy into the team that they are now seeing it firsthand. And I think utilizing that phrase of basketball talent versus winning talent is a great tool that you can reference as you're having this conversation. When you're saying like, look, I'm not just looking or we're not just looking for basketball talent. We want winning talent. And then even referencing some of the, the examples that we alluded to of basketball talents versus winning talents. I, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see, I'm now all in on the Nuggets in the Heat. I'm all in on the Nuggets in the Heat. I want to see the team overcome it. And you could, you know what, you could argue Boston's that they're the team. They're a team also. You know, I don't want to knock them. I mean, they, they don't have the most dynamic talent. They're talented, right? But they really do have that winning talent going on. So, I mean, they're both playing out in the East. The Heat are just up at the moment 
um, which is why I think they dominated the conversation a little bit. But I want to see them take down the superstars. I want to see them, right? Check one in for the team, <laughs> TJ. Score one for the well, team. Well, the storyline of the Heat taking down the Lakers and the Prime would be an interesting storyline. Which would be what? I, which would be, you know, I mean, I think – LeBron leaving the heat, you know, and coming back to this place where the heat was a really just, you know, a team where they had a lot of talent in LA and the team takes down the talent with LeBron as the guy that left there. You know, I think, I think Spolstra and Riley, I think all those guys were thankful, you know, to have LeBron and all that kind of stuff. But I think they're probably pretty proud of their rebuild and having a chance to get there without some superstars. I totally agree. So listen, let us know what you think. Are we moving back to team ball? Is that what we're seeing? Or is this just an anomaly, right? Is this just a random one year, just a weird year all the way around? Let us know what you think. Send us a tweet at hardwood underscore hustle. I am Adam. He is TJ. Together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. Until next time, we're out. Coaches, before you go. I just want to encourage you, there's a free resource over at leademup.com that you can check out. If you just want to send an email to info at leademup.com, we are giving away a free 21-day leadership playbook that your team can do together while the players do it individually. So it kind of has a hybrid model of players doing it by themselves, yet doing it in conjunction with the team, where they go through a series of exercises over 21 days to help them gain momentum and grow as leaders. Things focusing on their ability to be more detail-oriented and to be a better communicator and a better listener. A variety of different exercises from the Lead Em Up program. A free 21-day playbook that you can utilize today. Send an email at info at leademup.com. We will send that over to you. Uh, No questions asked. All good. I think it'll be something that your players will enjoy and your team will absolutely grow from. So would love to encourage it. Just wanted to share that before you hopped off. Until next time, coaches, we are out.